welcome back. This is the Antec Game Labs Thoughtcast. We are episode seven in, uh, lucky number seven. My daughter always, whenever she talks about being seven, which she's not seven yet, but she likes talking about being seven, and she says, lucky number seven. So I don't, I don't know who taught that to her because I'm not like a big Vegas guy or a big like gambler, but uh, you know, she picked it up from somewhere and it makes me laugh every time she says it. Because for a long time when she was first learning her numbers, she'd be, you know, she'd be kind of one, two, three, four, five, six, lucky number seven, eight, nine, ten. I mean, it was, it was cute and adorable. I know it's my daughter, so I think everything she does is cute and adorable, but yeah. You're listening to me, so you're just going to have to accept that she's cute and adorable. So, um, on to our today's topic, though. Uh, we're talking about stand-up boxes, or uh, normal game boxes, as another way to call them. You know, I call them stand-up boxes because that's what Jake called them. And I don't actually know I've ever heard that term anywhere else in, like, out in the wild. So, I'm just assuming that Jake didn't make that up and make me look silly but you know what i'm okay with that too so we have uh we have a number of games that were produced by buttman the the, the first iteration of andac before you know before jack Roo, before everything jake had his print shop called buttman and that was where we started all our production i talked about that i think in episode two one two Somewhere around one of those early episodes, I talked about the history of of that, and um, what we did is we we first well it's kind of funny considering the last episode that we I just recorded where I was talking about tuck boxes at that time it was actually very difficult for us to find a place to print tech tuck boxes economically um, or at least in a way that we could do it from Jake's print shop. There was a company that sold like pre-cut blanks that Jake was able to print on, but those actually ended up being more expensive than you'd think. And print play or uh, the game crafters tuck boxes were just, you know, they were, they were economically priced at a quantity, but we were really trying to cut prices down because we were printing so much from Jake's shop. So it just didn't make sense to run off to Game Crafter for uh, the tuck boxes only to then go back and produce the rest of the components at home. So or at the shop. So either way, we decided we wanted to try to make our own box. And the, the thing we did is we actually had a couple boxes from, I think it was Jake's demo shelf, and I don't remember why the games were defunct. But they, they basically were defunct games. And we took an X-Acto blade, and we actually cut away some of the, the coding, and we took a look at the, the cardboard material, and we really, really dissected these, these boxes. Um, you know, cut them open quite a bit. And in that exploratory process, we realized that they were using a similar cardboard to a cardboard Jake could source. And he had these very, very tacky sticker sheets or like, you know, one-sided adhesive sheets um, or unidirectional bonding strips as Buzz Lightyear calls them. 
And uh, they were they were strong enough that once we got them on and down, they would actually stay. They would provide the binding for the box. So what we actually ended up doing is Jake had this uh, perf perfing device slash creasing device that he used back before he got his, his automatically slicing machine. It was called a Duplo, but that was a brand name. Um, it was in a building block for kids. But anyway, so we used the device, this hand crank device to, to basically perf uh, folds into this cardboard in the shape of what was essentially a deck of cards plus 12 dice. That was the length of our box. The width was a set of cards, and then the height was just a little bit higher than a, a, like a 16-millimeter die. So that gave us basically the box that we were going to use to build off our games with. And the way we did it is we printed on the sheet of paper, and then using a light table, we would shine the light through so we could see the design on the sticker through the, uh, the back. We would carefully, well, after, so after we folded or perfed these boxes, we would cut the corners out so that it was basically like these little wings. And we'd carefully place that in the center. And then we'd have to trim up and fold the paper or fold the stickers up and over the edges and then trim them and fold them down into the box. And, and you'd like wrap the sticker around the, the sliced corners and you'd eventually end up with a top and a bottom. And they were, well, they weren't, they didn't have like perfect inside edges all around them like a normal game box does that's done with like machines and fanciness. They were very, very comparable to a normal game box. And we were really excited and very happy with the, the production quality. Now, we went through a lot of versions of these and we did have some issues with some being a little too loose or a little too tight. And, you know, we kept confusing piles of which were the lids and which were the bottoms. Because, you know, one of them we had to make slightly bigger so it could slip over the top. And uh, it got very confusing there for a while. <laughs> and we tried other things like putting temporary stickers on on the inside and wrapping around them and all this stuff. And, and there is actually a number of games out there that underneath their sticker do have our notes on them, like, you know, bottom or whatever. And there are a few that were signed underneath their sticker too. So, uh, we definitely did that. And, you know, we, we made just a ton of these boxes. I, I think we tried to figure it out at one point and we, we probably made over, over a hundred art major boxes for sure, because that was our bestseller. And I'm, I'm not sure about this. And I, I realize that's small numbers. That's a small number compared to like one of these studios that releases 10,000 units or whatever. But like this was me and Jake doing it on the side in the evenings or, or whatever. And it was such a great start for us. And it was really cool how much traction we did get with them. I mean, we made boxes for DEFCON dice. Defcon dice, mutually assured destruction. So we had the base game and its expansion. We had boxes for Art Major, same size box with Art Major. We did a box for um, Baby Shower, the game that we designed for the local teacher Jessica. Uh, that was a boy and a girl version, and that one was cool too because we also had cardboard tokens in it 
that fit the perfect size in the box. And then all the other components kind of went around. So that was, again, I know I talked about this in one of the other episodes where we, we, we looked at boxes and we designed for the box size the games. We kind of made the components fit inside there. That was absolutely what we did with Baby Shower. We, we knew we had to fit a deck of cards in there, and then we had the leftover space. We made the dice and the tokens fit. And we had a little spacer in there, and it was it was tight. And it was amazing. Uh, a couple games that also that I, wrote, that I designed for those boxes that we never did release, and I think I've only got maybe one or two samples of the boxes, if even that. I had a, a version of the Coup that came in that box, and this was an older version of the Coup. Some different rule sets where it still used tokens. And I actually, that was where I used the token design that we did for Baby Shower. I designed my game around that token size. And so we actually had those tokens stacked up in there and smaller cards sitting next to them. And we were, once again, able to utilize the exact same box. Uh, and then the last game that we designed to fit in that box, and I... I will always regret not being able to make this game in the box because it would have been so cool. But I had a legacy game that I I wanted to sell a legacy game for $15. 10 games, $15. Uh, You know, the legacy game would have 10 playthroughs in it. And the playthroughs were going to be, there was expansion packs or or other versions that we were going to be able to release. And my idea was to, again, I want to make it all fit. I even had a Sharpie marker that fit in there with it for you to write on the cards. And I had the cards fit in there, and then there I needed to create like a, a divider to help stuff stay in place. But the cards were in there, the dice were in there, the Sharpie marker was in there, a few tokens. And then actually along the top, I had a piece of, of print, essentially, that was going to look like an emergency kit that you could tear out. And if you did, it would have emergency cards behind it in case you needed it, you know, but it's like a one and done kind of emergency kit thing. And, you know, this was, this was kind of the icing on the cake. I also wanted to tape a secret card underneath the sticker, like inside a little, like Mr. And Mrs. Envelope, just tape it underneath. So if you cut your box open very carefully, you could pull out like this awesome survivalist card. And I had all these great ideas for this box and the, and the production for it would have allowed us to sell it for $15. And that's just like unheard of for a legacy game. And that was for me, like going to be the pinnacle of that box size. And actually it was going to be the final game probably in that box size because we started working on our first versions of beep boop, which was going to be that more traditional side by side box um that holds cards kind of like i think flux does their or used to do their boxes like that um a lot of times you see like uh packs of playing cards at like dollar store or whatnot they come in those side-by-side boxes although now i think they're usually side-by-side tuck boxes but that size that i'm describing is where it was the next size box we were going to go through and we actually i think i do have one copy of beep boop in that side-by-side box that we did that we did design layout prototyped uh but it just didn't make it it didn't it, it like it was around that time that jake ended up having to close up his shop and so we we weren't able to continue on with the boxes and that's the sad kind of you know tiny let me play a tiny heart for you 
story of the the stand-up boxes we did at Button Man and and like some of the lost potential we could have had with the um the survivors and and really the the ability to make a game in those boxes was was such an incredible advantage and I actually really appreciate the time we had that for you know it's one of those things like don't be sad that it's gone be happy you had the chance at all and it is one of those things where i'm absolutely happy i had the chance at all because i learned so much and i and i was given so many opportunities to look at a box and come up with different ways to utilize it and that was not an opportunity i was given well i I guess i I, last episode i talked about having that opportunity with like tuck boxes and print play games specifically and some of the odd boxes they have, but then also with a little bit with looking at some of the boxes on uh game crafter. But I, I, I think that there was something so incredible about saying, this is a box we made and we can make games that fit in this box. It was, it kind of reminds me of like, and this is, this is a bizarre correlation that my brain just made, but when the gray juice is running, you don't question it. The, the there's a, a video game called um, Game Dev Tycoon, and it's not about making board games. If there was a game about making board games, I would play that like crazy. Well, that'd be insane. That's like what I do for a hobby, anyways. Um, but Game Dev Tycoon is this computer game where you make computer games, and you don't actually make computer games. You basically tell your guy, you you pick a theme, you pick a name, you market it by clicking a button that says market it and you don't really do much it's one of those simulation games where you basically just watch bubbles go popping by and stuff Uh, funny funny aside about that is when they released that game apparently the developers leaked a copy of the game onto like pirate bay or something one of those file sharing sites this is actually how i found out about the game was a news article i think on like polygon or TechCrunch or something that talked about this um, I didn't pirate the game. I actually I had no interest in the game until I read the article, and um, they apparently <laughs> the leaked version you eventually would lose because so many people would pirate your game that you would like run out of money and lose. And so every time someone would like go on a form or something and be like, "This game's stupid. I can't. You know, I'm losing every time to pirates stealing my game." Like. The developers were like, yeah, that means you're playing a pirated copy, you know, or whatever, which I think is hilarious and genius all in the same bubble. But it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, schmuck, <laughs> stealing my game and complaining about it. Anyways, um, that was an aside about a brain mush dump. Oh, there's something about that game where you have to, like, license uh a, a game console like the the Game Boy, or they don't, they use different names, of course, because they're all you know they don't have the license for them. But like the Game Boy or the the uh, Sega Genesis or whatever, like once you buy that license, you like you want to get as much as you can out of that little device, and so you, you develop a bunch of different games with a bunch of different themes and styles of games with within that 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 device and. For some reason, the stand-up box we made a butt man makes me think about that game because it was like we had that box. We were trying to design as many different games with as many different themes as we could that fit in that one box because we had perfected making it. So 
So we were like, all right, we've got this thing to put a game in. Let's make it perfect in it. And then go from there. And I don't know. It's a weak correlation, I suppose. But it came to my dome while I was talking. And I want to share it with you, my internet buddies. So not my spuddies, my buddies. So I want to thank you all for joining me on this episode of ThoughtCast. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts today. And I will catch you tomorrow when we talk about other very interesting things. Bye!